Are you ready to stop stress, anxiety, and low self-esteem from ruining your life? Join award-winning author and breakthrough expert Dr. Friedman Schaub for Empowerment Radio as he addresses some of the most difficult challenges in our day-to-day lives. Find out how you can use the power of your mind to overcome self-sabotaging patterns and build a solid foundation of confidence and self-respect. Learn cutting-edge tools to switch out of survival mode and approach every day with greater ease, joy, and purpose. Here is your host on Empowerment Radio, Dr. Friedman Schaub. Welcome to Empowerment Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Friedman. And uh, yeah, I wanted to share with you a little bit about my life today, and uh, at least at the beginning, because it's something that fits perfectly into what... uh, yeah, the topic of the show is today. I have since a few months a frozen shoulder. Now, if you ever had a frozen shoulder, it's very uncomfortable. Frozen sounds in general, not bad, right? So frozen yogurt and so on, but frozen shoulders, not so much because you cannot really move the shoulder and especially you cannot move it very fast. And it started relatively quick, you know, within a few days and I just noticed when I was trying to wave the neighbor at some point, uh, all of a sudden I had this excruciating pain in my left shoulder. So what do you do? You try to avoid moving it because it's so painful. And since COVID was closing everything down, that wasn't so emergent uh, or uh, urgent or an emergency case, I just let my shoulder be my shoulder and I didn't see anyone to check it out because I didn't know it was a tear or maybe anything else that needs to be addressed. So the longer I was not moving it, the worse it actually got. And at some point, finally, things lifted up. I could see an osteopath and uh, she said, well, it is a frozen shoulder. It's not a muscle or tendon tear. So you better start moving into the pain not into the excruciating pain, but into the pain, because if you're not moving it, if you're avoiding the movement, and sometimes I even avoided sleeping because it was so painful, then it only gets worse. Now, why am I telling you this? Because we do the same thing in our life. We do avoid. Many of us are masters of avoidance. And right now with COVID, we are anyhow asked to avoid certain things, to get too close to someone, to leave the house without a mask or disinfectant, or to not wipe down your foods or whatever those things are. We are certainly in in an avoidance pattern based on the situation we are in. But even before, isn't it true that very often we were avoiding things that we really don't like? You know, going to the dentist or the urologist, or having uh, to pay taxes. Well, hopefully you didn't avoid it, but, or, you know, the dinner at uh, the annoying in-laws because, you know, they were just always talking about politics that you really were not interested in. So this kind of avoidance is something that we just do. And in general, you could say, well, maybe that kept our species alive. You know, evolutionary, you could say avoidance was probably necessary because humans and our forefathers and ancestors, well, you know, physically 
they weren't necessarily as strong as a saber-toothed tiger or, you know, as vicious as maybe like a, a poisonous snake. So avoiding all of those things uh, was probably a good idea. And so it kept that species going. So it's very deeply ingrained that we avoid things that can hurt us, that can be dangerous to us. Now it becomes a problem when avoidance becomes a habit. And when we are starting to avoid things that are really daily aspects of our lives. And when we avoid those things, let's say, for example, you avoid paying the bills. Well, they are just piling up. And at some point you feel that, you know, mountain of unpaid bills is just uh, looming over you and you feel buried under. Or when you are avoiding certain conversations that you should have in order to clear the air or make the relationship better. Well, in the end, this also backfires because you more and more feel maybe estranged or resentful. So today I want to talk about four specific aspects or parts of our lives that most of us have at least one that we are avoiding and maybe all of them. And if you stop avoiding them, I guarantee you your life will change dramatically because this is something I have observed with my clients over and over again. And I'm doing this for almost 20 years, but it became really so much more clear in the last few years how this avoidance pattern is one of the greatest blocks, the greatest challenges when it comes to not only overcoming anxiety and, uh, and fear, but also when it comes to creating more confidence and a greater sense of happiness in our lives. Because the more we are avoiding the pain that you know, we are seeing in these situations, the more we are actually creating pain inside of us through this avoidance. And the four aspects I want to focus on today are the avoidance of change, which you know, is the fear of change certainly behind that. And there is the avoidance of conflict. Now, raise your hand if you have been avoiding conflict for a long time. And the avoidance of emotions, which I think so many really would not even realize how they're doing it. There is a specific reason behind that. But if you keep on avoiding your emotions, what happens is that these emotions, similar to the stack of bills, just pile up and at some point, you will feel this emotional explosion often that comes out as a heavy depression or a panic attack. And the last avoidance is the avoidance of self, where you simply are not facing yourself, not paying attention to yourself, and not only to the emotions, but other aspects, and feel actually when you're by yourself somehow being with a stranger. And that is an avoidance that I feel Right now, a lot of people during COVID and this whole uh, self-isolation couldn't avoid anymore. And uh, that created also for so many people a challenge, but also an opportunity just to do some more self-reflection and introspection. So let's delve into this. What is the first avoidance? The avoidance of change. Now, I don't know. Most of us have changed plenty of times in our lives, right? I mean, I 
remember plenty of times where I didn't want to do something. I didn't want to go to a test. I didn't want to move to a certain place. I didn't want to go to the first date simply because it felt uncomfortable. What if it's not going to work out? What if I'm not liked? What if I fail? And so in your mind, you think, well, wouldn't it be nice just to stay at home, put the feet up and read a book or watch TV? And, but you did it anyhow. And in the end, you say, oh, thank God I didn't do it. I did do it because, you know, it really paid out. And uh, I really, you know, basically changed my life because of it. And all of us have probably had those uh, moments that were big, you know, meeting your spouse or choosing to have a child or changing a job and and something inside of us said no no don't do it and we allowed ourselves to do it so we have changed many times in fact we are change masters and still there is something inside of us that rather avoids change because there is a fear the fear of the failure there is a fear of making a bad decision there is a fear of getting out of that comfort zone. Now, when people tell me, oh, this makes me feel uncomfortable, that makes me really feel uncomfortable because I feel we are so attached to that comfort zone. It's so important for us to somehow not get nudged beyond it because we all have our little boxes that we somehow feel okay in and we don't want to necessarily look or even think beyond it. Now, the problem with this comfort zone is that it has a tendency to become more and more rigid. Now, you probably know this about yourself. Like, you know, let's say, for example, your comfort zone is to live your life in a certain routine. And that routine may not really be very fulfilling, but it's safe. You go to work. You go home, maybe you go for, I don't know, a little walk, watch TV, eat some dinner, end of story. Now, at some point, you would have to admit that you're not taking any risks. You're not really expanding your life. You're not really wanting to mix it up. And so life is becoming more and more something that's getting away from you as you are making your life more and more about avoidance avoidance to see other people, to have new experience, to maybe even travel. So when we are seeing the comfort zone as something that actually makes life smaller and some ways also makes us more contracted and even imprisoned, all of a sudden we realize, well, maybe that comfort zone is not that comfortable after all. Maybe that comfort zone is only familiar and that's why we're holding on to it. That just like a plant that in order to grow needs a bigger pot, if we want to grow, we need to allow ourselves to have a bigger pot. We need to allow ourselves to push this comfort zone a little bit, to go a little bit beyond it. And we can always come back, but just venturing out of it and realizing, oh, it's actually safe. So if we want to overcome the avoidance of change, be aware of how your comfort zone may become uncomfortable because it becomes too tight and how it is actually painful to avoid your growth, to avoid getting the most out of life, to avoid just venturing out and, 
and really experiencing more than you already have been experiencing. This is the away from motivation, realizing that being in that avoidance of change causes you more pain than probably the pain of having a disappointment or the pain of making a decision that later on you say, well, it wasn't the best decision, but at least you tried. And then think about what is possible. Most of us stop dreaming at some point. We don't really think about what else do we want? What's in our heart's desire? What is something that we always wanted to do, but we never did? We just give up. So let's bring back your dreams. It can be small dreams. It can be, I always wanted to learn cooking or horseback riding, or I always wanted to visit that town. It sounded so great when I read about it. Just allow yourself to have those small dreams fulfilled. Also mix it up. Your comfort zone can be very rigid to just taking a different way home from work, or instead of a black shirt, wearing a red shirt, or maybe listening to a different kind of music, or just trying a new diet, I mean, not diet to lose weight, but just a, a way to eat for a while. Just trying out something new will actually give you the confidence to realize that change is not something to be afraid of, but change is something to embrace and enjoy. After all, change in life is inevitable, but how we change, that is up to us. When we'll come back, we'll talk about other avoidance patterns, the next one being avoidance of conflict. So stay tuned. Welcome. Uh, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I'm telling you, I got to pinch myself some days because when each of us gets called to do something that we so not thought was in our real house to do for a purpose that's so much greater than us, we get to show up and shine. If you would like to show up and shine on the Dr. Pat Show as a co-host or sponsor, send us an email to inspire at thedrpatshow.com. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens with Colette Marie Steffen is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific Time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health, your family, and your well-being. Karen Benton is a mother, nurse practitioner, certified body talk practitioner, Franklin Method instructor, and owner of Limitless Living, LLC. For more information about Karen, visit KarenBenton.com. Optimize your breast cancer screening without any radiation or pain. Effective, sensitive, and widely used thermal imaging in Europe is now available to you here in the U.S. 
using state-of-the-art FDA-approved camera, Eastside's first and only breast thermography clinic is now open in Bellevue. Safe, sensitive, low cost, no referrals needed. Contact Holistic Medical Center at 425-451-0404 or on the web, drdarvish.com. Have you ever wondered what your pets think about? Do you know what your pets are saying to you? Dr. Monica will be your pet's translator to help you understand what your pets are trying to communicate to you. Enhance the bond with your furry friends on Pets Talk with Pet Communicator Dr. Monica each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information about Dr. Monica, visit PetCommunicator.com. Welcome back. We are talking about avoidance and the four aspects in life that you want to stop avoiding to gain more confidence and fulfillment. Now, the thing about avoidance is also that you may want to ask a question, but you avoid calling in. So why don't you just stop avoiding and call in with your question at 800 930 2819 again 800 930 2819 or you can also ask questions in the chat box at transformation talk radio or write it into the facebook page on facebook life the avoidance is just like a habit right so some ways when you are having a problem and you're feeling like well you know i'm solving the problem by eating junk food or having a stiff one or just you know vegging out that may give you instant relief, but it doesn't really give you a long-term reward because in the end, somehow you do feel that that stuckness and that what you have been avoiding doesn't go away by not looking at it. Now, a client of mine, David, he bragged almost to me at some point saying like, you know, I am the only one who is getting along with my brother. All my other siblings are not getting along with him, but I, I get along with him, no problem. So how do you do this? I asked and he said, well, I simply listen to him and I never contradict. I just said, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so we just have a jolly good time. Sounds like, you know, a nice little pleaser, peacemaker strategy. But the problem was that when we had a couple sessions, where actually he showed up with his wife, I saw the same pattern there as well. He became more and more quiet. He let his wife talk. I saw sometimes he didn't totally agree with what she said, but he didn't say anything. So in another session, I asked him about it. So is that something that you do? Just avoid conflict because it's more important for you to have peace and harmony than maybe getting somehow into a, you know, into an argument or feeling like that people are critical of you or that they don't like you anymore. And he admitted that's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened with pretty much everyone that was important to him. He assumed that the best way to not get rejected or abandoned was by simply avoiding conflict, saying either nothing or saying yes to everything they say. Now, what happens in this avoidance pattern, which may sound familiar to you as well, 
is that unfortunately, it doesn't really improve the relationships. It doesn't improve the relationship to the people that we are not really totally honest with because we are not really showing them who we are and what we think. It doesn't improve those relationships because at some point it creates a sense of resentment that they have the power and we are not allowed to really say or express ourselves or advocate for ourselves. It doesn't improve the relationship because there is at some point a wall of everything we didn't say that keeps those people at a distance. And we are wanting to even avoid those people. And if that's your spouse or your kids or your friends, we want to avoid them altogether because it's just too uncomfortable to be in their presence. And most importantly, the avoidance of conflict where you're not saying something that's really important to you, something that would really make your life better or the relationship better. You're not saying it, and therefore, you're ultimately not standing up for yourself. You're not giving yourself a voice, which is a form of self-abandonment. And this is why people that are avoiding conflict, you know, you might call them pleasers or peacemakers, but people who do that have often a very, very limited sense of self or a limited confidence because they are undermining their sense of worthiness every time they are abandoning themselves by not having that conversation. It doesn't even have to be conflict. See, this is the trick of the mind that calls it conflict, which you know sounds scary because we all remember when we got in conflict with our parents or the teachers or the peers that may have you know, bullied us or beaten us up at the schoolyard. So that's where all of this avoidance may come from. It may be the avoidance of the, the rejection that we experienced by those kids that from one day to another just didn't talk to us anymore. Or the girlfriend or the boyfriend that just broke up and uh, didn't really explain why. So there is a hurt, a wound behind that. And that is often something that needs to be addressed. But it doesn't get addressed by just playing nice and by not really speaking up for yourself. So just see that conflict, that conversation, not as something that is about fighting or winning or arguing, but more about creating actually more synergy with the person that you find worthy of your relationship or your, your connection or your friendship. See it more as something that you are investing into yourself because you want to actually be someone who stands up for yourself, who does have a way to you know, be seen in the world and is not shy, not invisible, but says, you know, I actually deserve to have uh, at least, you know, that's what's important to me, recognized and, uh, and maybe even addressed. And then also see that this, this sense of, uh, of not wanting to have this conversation, this conflict comes also from the lack of boundaries. And there are four boundaries that I want to just briefly talk about because they're really important. Often we see boundaries more as one thing, which is pushing back or saying no or 
just not letting something happen. And that's an important boundary. That's an external boundary that I feel when we do feel that avoiding conflict is no longer an option because it destroys your relationship to yourself and maybe even the relationship with others. You actually say, okay, I'm going to have to focus on this boundary of maybe saying no, or I disagree like David did, or this is not working for me. But the second boundary is also important, which is a boundary of not taking other people's energy on. Meaning like when someone is in that moment, maybe upset with you because you say no, because you were known to be a yesayer, or maybe they disagree back and they say, well, we just have to agree to disagree. And there is a certain kind of frustration with that. And you are taking it on. Of course, in that moment, it feels like an assault. It feels, again, overwhelming. Those emotions feel more, you know, trigger for your own anxiety. And then you go right back into avoidance. So having a sense of these are their emotions. These are their challenges. This is where they may feel hurt or insecure or surprised or unworthy or whatever those things are to see this more as something that you are leaving in their camp and you can even visualize yourself having a nice invisible shield around you that keeps that energy outside six feet doesn't come close you can see it but as you know no one is responsible for somebody else's emotions you are not responsible for those emotions it's their responsibility to express maybe what's going on with them, how they feel, but ultimately to know that they create those emotions, they create the reactions, and they also have to deal with it. And the third boundary is the boundary of not letting your mind always go back to the same situation over and over again, or letting your mind already in the, before you have this conversation, Think about how bad it's going to be and how there will be uh, darts coming out of this person's eye and they're going to spit uh, vinegar at you. And I mean, no, really have also a boundary with yourself and say, no, I will not take this uh, mental spiral as something where I'm wasting my energy, my time with, where I'm only thinking about the other person and this way giving that person so much power. I actually just in the moment, prepare what I want to say. I'm going to maybe imagine how I want to deliver it. And then I leave it by that. And then I will not go over and over and over again into the what ifs or in those little fictional scenarios that we often do. That's a very important boundary that most people don't realize they have to make with themselves. And the fourth boundary is the boundary of compassion. See, when there is a conflict and I have plenty of people that had been in conflict through conversations with me. And it's 80 to 90% of the time, something where they feel deeply insecure and powerless. And that insecurity and powerlessness is in direct correlation to how angry and frustrated they may express themselves. So if you see someone getting really angry, because maybe you contradict, Maybe you dare to say no. Know that a confident, a person who is well-rounded and rooted in themselves wouldn't act like that. So by you saying no and advocating for yourself, 
you may have triggered in that person a pain, a wound, maybe a sense of unworthiness, which then got you know, into that reaction of anger. But anger is only the cover-up for their pain. So if you have compassion for their pain, don't get hung up in their anger and just know it's like a child that screams and yells a tantrum tantrum because it feels powerless, it feels unheard, it feels unloved. When you have that already in your mind as, if that should happen, I have compassion for this person. I can't even imagine that there is little, a little self in them that is just you know, saying, ouch, this hurts, and, and I'm going to be calm and loving and caring from my energy when I talk to them. So I'm not taking their anger on, and I'm responding through compassion in a way that diffuses the anger and makes the person maybe even feel safe and loved and seen. And that's exactly what happened with David. David was able to then talk to his wife in ways that he said, you know, when you do this, I don't agree with that. I have a different opinion. And this is how I see the situation. And at the beginning, she had her own reaction. And he knew it came from that place of her also not feeling valuable or not feeling seen. But when he had this compassion for her and he responded calmly with compassion and understanding, she completely calmed down and their relationship is so much better because of it. And he feels so much better about himself because he finally has given himself a voice. Brené Brown says, authenticity is a collection of choices that we have to make every day. It's about the choice to show up and be real, the choice to be honest, the choice to let our true selves be seen. And I don't think that anyone you care about deserves anything less than to see who you truly are, see your authentic self. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk about emotions, the avoidance of emotions, and how we can stop that as well. If you struggle with fear and anxiety, you know how powerless and stuck these emotions can make you feel. You've tried everything, but nothing helped you overcome these blocks. Dr. Friedman Schaub, award-winning author of The Fear and Anxiety Solution, created a special program which helped thousands of his clients to become healthy, happy, and confident again. Learn how to eliminate negative self-talk, let go of your emotional baggage, and replace limiting beliefs. With Dr. Friedman's accelerated program, you can break through your challenges. Visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. Step into your highest potential and tune into embodying your higher self. Tools for Conscious Living with Michelle Champaka. You can listen on TransformationTalkRadio.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Michelle is an energy healer, intuitive, and shamanic practitioner dedicated to helping you heal and transform your life. For more information about sessions, coaching, and upcoming workshops and retreats, visit SpiritWeaverJourneys.com.
Welcome back to Empowerment Radio. Sorry for the choppiness. Uh, my producer just said sometimes uh, apparently it got a little in and out with uh, the uh, connection. So the joys of having a very slow speed internet right now. And uh, I hope you still got the gist. And if not, please let me know. Contact me at hello at drfriedman.com or you can also check out my website, drfriedman.com. If you need any help to overcome avoidance, overcome certain emotional challenges, or just want to grow. Talking about emotions, the avoidance of emotions is probably something that you may be familiar with, where like, uh, you know, you wake up in the morning and uh, you already feel anxious and you already feel like, oh, there it is again. And in order to not have to feel this anxiety, you just get out of bed and get yourself busy. So you can distract yourself, you know, you just keep yourself occupied, do everything and more that you should do and want to do. But at the end of the day, you have done everything. Everyone is fed and taken care of. And now you're sitting there in your chair and there it comes up again. There you feel the emotion. And maybe you feel even a little depressed. Maybe you feel even a little bit, you know, worn out because this fighting of suppressing the emotion and not having to feel this anxiety ultimately is so exhausting. So what you do, maybe you just check out, veg out, self-medicate, take a drink. And in the end, you're avoiding how you're feeling because it just feels too much, too overwhelming, too forceful, and not something that you want to feel. Sound familiar? Now, a lot of people feel this way. A lot of people say to me when they have anxiety, I just don't want to feel the anxiety. I just don't want to feel the anger or the sadness. And, and basically, it's like this idea that emotions are, especially those so-called negative emotions, are useless and that we just don't want to deal with them. And we overlook that emotions, even though they don't make sense and they are really powerful, we are ultimately the ones that are creating the emotion. We are the ones that in our minds have a reason for the emotions to be there. We are on a deeper level, constantly engaged in life in an emotional way. But the problem is, that A, we have never been told how to listen, how to respond to our emotions, and B, we avoid them all the time. And so they are kind of having their life on their own. It's like where the subconscious plays such a big role, where the subconscious just does what it has learned over and over again, and the subconscious is ultimately the source of the emotions, and if we are not paying attention to those emotions, if we are avoiding especially the bad feelings, well, the subconscious doesn't get any guidance. It doesn't know what to do. So it just keeps churning along and does the same thing over and over again. And that's when we feel really disconnected. But if you have an emotion you don't like or you don't want to feel and you want to run away from yourself, good luck, you can't. It will always catch up with you. The latest when you're in bed and you're feeling like, again, your head is spinning, your the chest is tight, and you know all these emotions are coming back up. So I want to just tell you a few things you can do with your emotions. And also seeing them a little bit different than you may have in the past. So 
think about your emotions not as something that is, you know, just useless energy, but think about it as something that actually has something to tell you. You know, emotion, well, imagine you hadn't an emotion. You would live without emotions. You probably would uh, feel like pretty bland and you would feel like, you know, life has no meaning, no purpose. I mean, all the memories that really are sticking with us for a long time are memories that have an emotion connected to it. So no emotions means no real experience. Nothing really has any meaning. So emotions are precious. Emotions are important. Emotions is what gives us the sense of being alive. We just try sometimes to pick and choose which emotion we want and which we don't. And then we are not realizing that those emotions we don't want, because they are pretty forceful, they may actually have a meaning. There may be something about them. So try to listen to those emotions that are especially unpleasant, not as, you know, something that's wrong with you, you shouldn't have it, or something that's wrong with your world, and you feel like, oh my God, the emotion tells me my job is terrible, or the emotion tells me that uh, I should leave my spouse, or I made a mistake having kids. You know, the emotion is not a truth teller. The emotion just gives you some feedback. Often the emotion just is a distortion of your life. We all know that, right? So you, you have everything going for yourself, all is great, but then all of a sudden there is a, let's say, an anxiety bubbling up. Well, your day has changed completely. It's like this huge, fat, dark cloud hanging over the day and making you feel, yeah, somehow very, very uncomfortable and maybe, you know, looking over your shoulder for the next shoe to drop. And it's just the emotion. Nothing externally has changed. So when you look at the emotion, not something that you have to take at face value, but still something that is important to look at and pay attention to, then it doesn't appear so threatening anymore. So to get out of the avoidance, I would like you to, first of all, have an emotional inventory, meaning see your emotions or where they are coming from, almost like a an interesting part of you that you haven't really paid attention to too much. It's like, you know, if you all of a sudden had a, a third arm and you say, oh, wow, there is a third arm. I didn't even know what I can do with that. And then you're going to explore and then you're going to find out what it's capable of. And that's the same with emotions. So take an emotional log, write down which emotions are coming up during the day, what situations were those emotions, and very importantly, what thoughts did you have when those emotions came up? And when you do this, this inventory, you're not getting stuck with one or the other emotion because you realize emotions are a little bit like a keyboard uh, of, a, of, a, you know, of a piano or of an organ. You can just see like, yeah, there are all these different keys and they all sound different. And if you play them together, it can actually be nice. It can be nice harmonious and, and emotions are a little bit like that. If you look only at one emotion, it may feel like eh, that's where you get really, uh, you know, attached to because you don't like it or you feel like it should go away. And if you're seeing this, oh, right now I'm feeling a little down, but look, after lunch, I felt actually 
quite happy or I felt excited or I felt satisfied and be unattached to the emotional expression, but see it more as something that happened throughout the day. So that's number one. Just take that inventory and realize my emotions are there, whether I'm paying attention to not. And they are magnificent because they are so colorful and so many and so different in their expression. For that, you may also want to look at emotions, you know, in in a Google dictionary or so, because, you know, sometimes we are saying anxiety and then everything that feels similar, we are calling anxiety, but it can actually be excitement. It can be nervousness. It can be a little concern. It can be worry. It can be uh, anticipation. It can be a sense of feeling, uh, you know, that uh, you are uncertain. Be just aware of that there are so many different ways emotions can show up. So when you give emotions different words and different names, you actually see also much more what may be behind the emotion, what actually it tries to tell you. And not everything feel anxious or sad or, or angry because you're much more aware of the nuances. Now, when you have your emotions, as I said before, realize the subtitles. What thoughts do you have underneath them? And, you know, when you, for example, wake up in the morning with anxiety and you're realizing, well, the anxiety is there again, what thought did you have with the anxiety? And maybe that thought that you had was, I was a complete failure today. I messed everything up. My kids don't like me. My spouse is not interested. I have no future. I am really ugly and I'm gaining weight every day. You know, there may be all those thoughts that you haven't really noticed because all you paid attention to were these unwanted emotions. But when you see the thoughts, then you realize, whoa, this is actually something that is very self-rejection, very self-critical, and maybe it's not even true. Maybe I completely make an assumption that I am a bad mother or a bad father or a bad spouse and that I'm not attractive and all of those things. Maybe these are actually stories that come from way back and I just continue to tell them to myself. So once you have that understanding of what, especially those emotions you want to avoid, are maybe trying to tell you, then it's time for you to set the record straight and just say, okay, let's look at the day. What did I accomplish? Where was there failure? There was no failure. How many times did my kids tell me they love me? Wasn't there just my husband coming home, bringing me flowers? You know, when you really look then at reality versus that distorted version of reality, then you can also tell the emotion, I know this is how you used to feel. And I know that this is how you assume life is. But the reality is, it is completely different. And if you need help, ask the person that is the closest to you. Do you find that I'm a bad mother? Do you find that, you know, I'm no longer attractive? Now, it's always a difficult question because, of course, there's only one possible answer. But really trusting that you also can lean into somebody else that, you know, has a much more objective and a much more realistic perspective on you not that distorted perspective, can also help you to see, well, the emotion is just something that 
may have asked me a question. That's another really good thing to realize. Emotions don't tell you, as I said, the truth, but they ask questions. Do my kids love me? Am I a failure? Do I do everything wrong? Am I worthy? Do I belong? All of those questions, then when you know, well, they are not telling me the truth. They just want to have reassurance. Then you can reassure whatever part inside of you creates the emotion on the subconscious level with saying, no, people love me. I have done a wonderful job. I'm a good person. I'm always willing to grow. And just doing that is easing the emotion. And it will actually, unlike avoiding the emotion, it will make that emotion come up much, much less because finally you have been paid attention to. And in the end, when you don't pay attention to your emotions, you will never grow. You will never attend to the deep-seated wounds or confusions that are inside of you. And you certainly will miss out on a very important guidance system, a guidance system that leads you through life, helping you to find what's really right for you and what is your purpose and what brings you joy. Okay, another break, quick one, and we'll talk about the avoidance of yourself and how to also get out of that. So stay tuned. Sometimes being human has its challenges. Our physical health falters, our spirits sag, our dreams don't immediately come to fruition. Welcome to the power of Maximum Medicine Radio. Join me, Doc Martin, in conversations that will blow your mind about healing. In our hit show, Doc Martin addresses the scientific with bridging to the mystical approaches to give you a new narrative about Maximum Medicine. In this live call-in show, we will journey into the extraordinary genius of the human body and talk about other beliefs that impact being your multidimensional self. We seek the seen and the unseen and explore the earthbound and the otherworldly, all with the purpose of calling forth the maximum you. To learn more about Doc Martin and Maximum Medicine, visit www.SharonMartinMD.com. Welcome back. Avoidance. I hope you have gained a little bit of an understanding that avoidance is optional and that this is not something that you need to live in for the rest of your life. And really seeing that anything that you stop avoiding is also something that in the end will give you a lot of rewards. Now, I'm not saying that you should avoid nothing anymore. There are certainly things you should keep on avoiding like eating bad food or running across a busy interstate, but the avoidance of things that you know will help you to grow. That is something that if you are gently and gracefully start really getting out of this habit, your rewards will be multiple. And certainly something that I find in my clients very, very often transformational. And that is especially true when you stop avoiding yourself. Now, what I mean with avoiding yourself 
it's a really, really interesting habit that I see so much more in the last 10 years than before, where there are so many ways we can avoid ourselves that being really with yourself, without a screen, without a TV, without a person, without being somehow busy, feels odd. You know, like when people are, you know, going to, when you go to a concert and then you are, uh, you know, after two hours coming home and it's quiet and your ears are still ringing and it's really weird. Well, that kind of weirdness is when you are all of a sudden sitting with yourself and there is nothing to do, nothing to look at, no one to talk to, and you're just with yourself. And that is something that, as I said before, especially during the COVID time, a lot of people were struggling with. They did realize that they were living with a stranger, meaning with themselves. And since there was not so much distraction going on, they really had a hard time to reconcile. Who is this person? Why does this person bother me? Why do I have all those feelings, emotions, and thoughts that I don't really want to hear and feel? So the avoidance of self is something that I feel we got into the habit simply because it's easier and more relieving to look at uh, some social media or a TV show or anything like this or keep yourself constantly occupied with others than having to face yourself. But as we all know, there's only one person who really matters because that one person is a person that has taken the first and will take the last breath with you. And that's yourself. And when I say only matters, I'm not saying that you should become some hermit or some uh, egomaniac, but you have to pay attention to yourself because if you don't know yourself, you're pretty much not knowing your life and you're not really knowing what your life is all about. So learning to know yourself is not that hard. It is not something where you feel like, oh my God, I have done this for 30, 40, 50 years, simply ignoring myself, identifying myself with stuff outside of me. Where do I even begin? Well, just begin with simply paying attention. It's a bit like, you know, if you would have a new relationship, if you would make a new friend, all you do is just start to listen, be curious, be open. How does this person feel, think? What are these little desires inside that may have never been voiced or attended to? Listen to your thoughts, listen to your emotions, listen to your body. Be aware of how this all works and feels together and how you have been beautifully somehow floating above it without really being fully in it, connected to it. So when you're eating without a screen, noticing how food tastes, that's a way of learning to know yourself because you may realize, I actually don't like Diet Coke. It's not really good, but I've been drinking it since 20 years. Weird. Or maybe I don't like meat anymore. I actually like vegetables better. Huh. Why did I not notice that every night I had an indigestion when I ate a hamburger? Whatever it is. Just pay attention to yourself in that curious discovery mode. That's one way of learning to know yourself. And another way is to also learning to appreciate yourself. You know, observe that you are actually a good person, a person who does so many things well, 
a person who cares, a person who has shown up for others, a person who is very reliable, just observes the things that you take for granted with this old excuse, aren't all people like this? Isn't that normal? Nothing is normal. You and I and everyone else is very unique and we need to honor this uniqueness. And We cannot just brush over how we every day live life pretty much without anyone really giving us any kind of positive feedback or any kind of appreciation. So go and see your goodness. See what you're doing well. See what really is your contribution, whatever it is in life. And then listen to that little voice inside of you that again tells you maybe things that you have ignored. You can call that little voice intuition, your inner wisdom, whatever you want to call it, but there is a voice inside of you that may say, you know, I really want to learn how to meditate. Or that may say, I really would love to be more in nature. Or that may say, you know, this friend, we haven't really had a resolution. There's still something inside of me that I need to have a conversation with to feel that this is cleared. And again, this goes back to the conflict. All of those things are about learning to know yourself better. And when you learn to know yourself better, when you listen to yourself more, then you also know more what you're up to. You know, not only the desires, but maybe your talents. Maybe that what you feel is, you know, a passion or a desire to make a contribution in life that you never have paid attention to before. You know, often people come to me and say, you know, I want to change my job, my career. I just feel bored. I feel like this is not really any impact. And I'm so unhappy about this. And so I know if I'm only going to find my purpose, what I'm really here for, I'm going to be happy. And I say, this is not going to happen. Because you can only know your purpose if you know yourself. And most people just haven't had taken the time or maybe had been too much in the avoidance pattern to really know who they are. Knowing yourself is an ongoing process. Young said it's uh, the privilege of a lifetime to become who you truly are. So it will take a long time to know everything about, you, about who you are. And probably I don't believe that I will always or ever know who I really am, because there's always something new to discover. So it's a journey in itself. But start this journey today by simply turning off the screens, turning off the noise, getting away from the distraction, and just sitting more with yourself and being more aware how you tick, how you feel, what that feels like, your body just in that stillness, what your thoughts are telling you, your emotions. Dig a little into the desires that you may have. Understand there is some discomfort being with yourself, but breathe into it. Have compassion and patience with it and see that this path to learning to know yourself is also the bridge to learning to love yourself. Well, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for always being ready and willing to grow and get beyond the old comfort zone. So we'll see each other again in two weeks. Until then, watch your avoidance patterns, 
and just gradually go beyond them. Take good care. Goodbye. You've been listening to Empowerment Radio with Dr. Friedman Schaub. Join Dr. Friedman every first and third Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, as he addresses some of the most prevailing challenges of our daily lives. To learn more about how Dr. Friedman's personal breakthrough program can help you overcome fear, anxiety, and low self-esteem, visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. Views expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station, its management, or advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio.